You're listening to Reporters and Reported, a podcast from Cardiff University's School of Journalism, Media and Culture. In each episode brought to you by the MA Broadcast Journalism students, we'll bring you the insights and interviews with key people in the news industry. We'll examine the challenges, opportunities and threats facing journalism and get tips about the best way to follow a career in the media. This week, me, Mariam Chowdhury and Evan John are delighted to be joined by The Guardian's media editor, Jim Waterson. Thanks for joining us, Jim. Uh, We've just come from your reporters and the reported lecture. Um, So the first question I'd like to ask you is, what does your role as The Guardian's media editor entail? It's a very strange job that's quite hard to explain to people. There's not many media reporters left, but broadly it means uh, what do people consume, why do they consume it, and all of the gossip and interesting things that goes along with that. So that might be the goings-on at the BBC. For instance, recently I was reporting a lot on the Naga Manchetti row over whether she should have been uh, punished for saying her comments about Donald Trump on air. Uh, I report a lot on national newspapers, what's going on with Paul Dacre, is he editor of the Mail in in reality or is he not? Uh, And then increasingly it means Facebook, what goes viral, why you see certain things on your phone and the importance of that. It beats having a proper job. It's also a very weird job in journalism. There's not many people who have media reporters anymore and there's certainly not many who, like The Guardian, have the freedom within reason to uh, range across pretty much everything. Um, I love it. It's also very weird and I get to write lots of things about our changing, changing dynamics and I kind of view it a lot as a politics job. How effective do you think the press is at marking or regulating its homework? Well, I mean, the last few years have shown that it's been pretty bad at it. I mean, every, every every regulator that the press has ever had has tended to collapse after a few years. That said, I feel quite uncomfortable with the idea that we're going to shift to some sort of heavy-duty regulator for the internet, which will end up defining what is truth or not. While it's really seductive and if you asked anyone the question cold it sounds like a good idea do you want only true facts online the idea that you'd end up you know this is a long way off but the idea you might end up with some regulator which decided what was reality or not well then the problem is who is the regulator who appoints them and what power do they have and you've already seen this in Singapore which has very strict media rules where they've forced Facebook to take down fake news Well, it's an effective one-party state, so essentially one political party is choosing what to take down. But in the UK, to bring it back to that, the press has maybe not been so great at market's own homework, but the readers increasingly are. And if you look at Twitter, if you look at uh, any dodgy story that's published now, it'll get ripped to shreds in the court of public opinion. And in some ways, often the, the bigger regulator is just the idea of a load of people disparaging it online. Um, and you see more newspaper corrections forced by the the hive mind of Twitter pouncing on something than you do from necessarily the media reporting on itself. How do you think the coverage of the next election may vary from previous elections, or do you? This time around, everyone has finally woken up to the fact that the internet is playing a role. I think actually people might be overcorrecting and we're going to end up with like minute by minute coverage of what's going on on Facebook and ignoring the fact that a lot of people aren't totally plugged into that. Um, which is ironic because I've been banging on for years about the failure of journalists to understand the, the massive shifts in terms of media consumption that mean 
that, for instance, uh, your mum, who only just got a smartphone a few years ago, is now sitting there on Facebook getting everything that she knows from some little group that she's a member of and believing every single word of it. Uh, and those sort of shifts have real impacts on how people vote. Uh, so this time around, I think you're going to see a lot more coverage of what is going on online. And I think you're going to see traditional political journalists struggle a bit with the fact that when a prime minister or opposition leader gives a big set piece speech, they might not necessarily be uh, the thing that people are talking about. And that sort of disconnect between what the media is covering and what audiences are genuinely looking at is going to get quite big. With the rise of social media, what is the press and broadcaster's role going forward? Doing the stuff that you can't just do with a load of idiots online posting whatever they want. The difficult stuff, the nasty stuff, the expensive stuff, the employing reporters to go and dig, the employing people to go and talk to others. The only value in a world where everyone can put out a statement isn't carrying the statement, it's trying to do the analysis or add some value. Now, I mean, that's optimistic. Whether or not news outlets can actually afford to do that or are capable of it is a different matter. But if, if, if you don't need to be the sort of water carrier taking the news to the public, because they can get it direct, they can get the Jeremy Corbyn speech from Jeremy Corbyn's Twitter account, or they can get the quote from Boris Johnson on Boris Johnson's Facebook page. So you've got to add something. And that's hard that's really hard and that's why i come back to the idea that if it's not funny or exclusive or different then you'll struggle to get an audience so as you just said the sort of traditional channels of people getting their news are starting to break down do we still know where we're getting our news from people don't have a clue if you are like if you're listening to this and you're trying to think where did i see that story that i enjoyed this morning it might have come through push alert from an app you have on your phone it might have come from something on facebook it might be in a tweet people are just passively consuming headlines and they're not really thinking about why they're getting those particular headlines and that has all sorts of implications because you know if you just pump out enough stuff some of it's going to stick and if you're a bad actor then you can just keep pumping it out and hope that that wins it for your political campaign and finally what advice would you give to those about to start a career in the media consider whether there's a better option <laughs> and if not and if you really are committed to it then you'll have the most fun time in the world but be aware and go into it with your eyes open and don't think that just because you've got that entry-level job on some publication or some broadcaster that things are going to stay that way or that it's necessarily where you want to be long term get a job don't be afraid to go for something niche um, don't be afraid to go for something that sounds boring if it gives you the skills to do something more interesting in a couple of years time uh, and more than anything just really focus on doing something distinctive because there are a lot more people who want to be in this industry than there are jobs. And if you're not doing something distinctive, you ain't going to be one of them. Thank you so much for your time, Jim.